millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. An Elio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Nevado del Ruiz eruption, also known as Tragedia de Armero. Here's what you need to know. Within the first few days of November 1985, Colombia experienced a political catastrophe when a guerrilla group took siege of the Palace of Justice. Almost 100 people died during the assault, including nearly half of the Supreme Court justices. All eyes were on Bogota, Colombia's capital, as the country mourned those killed in the deadly rebel attack. Little did they know, just 130 kilometers west, a volcanic eruption was brewing. And in seven days, the country would experience a death toll unlike any they'd seen before. The Nevado del Ruiz is a stratovolcano lying within the Pacific Ring of Fire in central Colombia. As part of the Andes mountain range, the volcano is covered in glaciers that have formed over thousands of years. By the 1980s, a major eruption hadn't occurred since 1595, and many local villagers referred to the Nevado del Ruiz as the Sleeping Lion. But geologists and government officials had been aware of a possible eruption since November of 1984, when a group of mountain climbers reported gas flowing from a crater. 
Colombia requested the necessary equipment from international disaster relief and seismological organizations, and scientists alerted officials to the extreme danger of a possible lahar when debris and mud flows down the sides of a volcano after an eruption. Evacuation plans were mapped out while citizens of the nearby town Armero awaited instructions. On the afternoon of November 13, 1985, the volcano erupted steam, and soon ash began to shower down on Armero, where residents were reassured and instructed to shelter in place. Resident Gabrielina Ferruccio walked to her neighborhood church, asking the priest for advice. He responded, quote, Enjoy this beautiful show. It will never be seen again. At 9.08 p.m., as the town started to sleep, Another eruption rocketed from the summit crater, this time ejecting molten rock that began melting the mountain's ice cap. The melted ice quickly mixed with the molten lava, creating lahars traveling at 50 kilometers per hour toward the residents of Chinchina and Armero, swallowing everything in their path. Despite the emergency plans in place, by the time officials called for an evacuation, it was too late. In just a few short minutes, the village Chinchina was swept away and Armero was buried in debris. The following morning, as rescue groups plodded through the ruins in search of survivors, they heard the cries of a young 13-year-old girl, Omaira Sanchez Garzon. Buried amongst the wreckage of her old home, Omaira had become trapped in a muddy pool of water, her legs pinned between the brick door of her home and the body of her aunt, who had died grasping hold of her niece. For 60 hours, rescuers attempted to free Omaira, utilizing divers, rope, and a helicopter, as journalists, Red Cross agents, and TV reporters interviewed and photographed Omaira in her final hours. With no life-saving medical care to safely attempt amputation, Omaira died trapped in the rubble. She was just one of 23,000 people who were killed by the Nevado del Ruiz. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. Nevado del Ruiz is a large stratovolcano over 5,300 meters above sea level. It is the second highest volcano in Colombia. Nevado means snow-capped. The 1985 eruption killed 23,000 people, including 70% of the town of Armero's residents. The volcanic lahars wiped out 50 schools, two hospitals, and more than 5,000 homes. The region lost 60% of its livestock, 30% of grain and rice crops, and a half a million bags of coffee. About 7,500 people were left homeless. It was Colombia's worst national disaster, the second deadliest volcanic disaster of the 20th century, and the fourth deadliest in recorded history. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is friend, actor, repeat alarmist guest chloe wepper hi chloe hello hello thank you for having me back oh we're so excited to have you back sadly it's for a the most depressing story yeah. that's right yeah. that's true. right it's the saddest thing really i've ever read horrific really mm-hmm. horrifying um, there's no silver lining in this one no no gonna be hard to find but uh, chloe you are uh we're we're happy that it's with you mm-hmm. and thank you We, as you know, like to start off the show by asking our guests, what is something that's alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night? Um, Still reeling over 15 votes for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker of the House. That's just too many. It's just too many. I think I just, I think, I I think it's because I just listened to the episode of of the daily about it. And I was like, mm. that's too, too many. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. embarrassing. 
Yeah, that's for McCarthy or for for everyone for everyone right, involved right, right. for the Republicans. Yeah, Republicans. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that uh, that's keeping us up at night. I'm trying or to just like how here. it's like it doesn't. It's like oh, it's broken. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 no, I no, it no. clicked for me right there, Chloe. Because that's it's not how him. I feel it's too. like I don't care about him. No, but I'm like, right. oh, it's like right. fully broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to lose confidence <laughs> in our government um, if you just like whatever watch, watch it a lot of yeah. <laughs> and then i feel Turn like a, there were a lot of i think what made me sad too is there were a lot of memes of the democrats like bringing popcorn and like reading a sassy book and i was like i think that's bad for everyone too <laughs> yes <laughs> like that feels bad i was like oh so now it's a Guys. joke for you it, it, they they look i don't think politicians should have tiktoks and i don't think we should know i mean that I, I don't want to know what they like, how they take their popcorn, <laughs> butter, popcorn, cheese. I, I don't want to know. You don't yeah. want to know the sort of intimate, personal kind of side to politicians. You just want to kind of have them just do their job. Yeah, just like make good policy. And yeah, don't. I don't want to think about how they're wasting their time making a TikTok and like a dance. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to think about them eating. To me, that's a waste of time. Go back. To I them. yeah. I work. don't. They Shoot, exist in a in a <laughs> vacuum. <laughs> and when they try to be funny for C-SPAN, I'm like, oh no. It's like dad. <laughs> oh, no. Dad's trying to be funny. It's like yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> well. We sadly have to transition into this no, horrific. There's just no way to transition uh, yeah. uh, smoothly into this one. This one's just brutal. We um I, I for for those of you who might want to um just get more res you know we have some resources that you can follow up on and there's a great documentary on uh uh YouTube actually it's called El Valle Sin Sombras by director Ruben Mendoza and a warning it's it's very graphic I I started watching this documentary and it, it it's just so graphic because they have a lot of footage mm. from the actual disaster you know this was in the 80s and I'll tell you what like the the journalism styles have really changed since then they were just really um almost like aggressive in getting this kind of sensationalist yeah like stories, a kid right? covered in a kid covered in mud and they're like did you lose your whole family and yeah. microphone in the face and he's like oh. yeah they're like do you did you see the did you see their body it was really yes. it's mm -hmm. and also oh. probably like south american journalism at that time was you know something else probably too yeah, the the lack of sensitivity really towards the victims is very um, shocking. Sure. In, in in the documentary, um, but also there's, you know, you get a almost like a real time feeling of of the the catastrophe uh, at the moment. Um, we're talking twenty three thousand people. Yeah. Seventy percent of an entire village completely gone within an hour. I mean, next to the plague, it could be our number one in terms of a body count, right? In terms mm. of an alarmist's uh, tragedy. I'm trying to think of other big ones, but I mean, Pompeii, I think we did. Right. That might, might have been bigger. Yeah, I asked my mom, My you know, my family's Colombian, and I asked my mom about this. She was living in New York at the time, and she was like, oh, I remember. And she, the first thing she said, she was like, I remember, and it was like Pompeii. It was horrible mm -hmm. she just kept saying it was horrific and it was horrible <laughs> that's all she could really say about it it was really it's pretty bad mm -hmm. now we should start blaming here um get <laughs> out the gate yeah <laughs> uh, i can't imagine what it was like to yeah be in colombia at the time and uh, just watching the news uh, this is 1985 i mean I can't imagine. This is something that our researcher, uh, Alex Paul, found. It's a, a beautiful piece that was written about the tragedy, and uh, I thought we should start with it. It's uh, by essayist and poet Ricardo Fr uh, Fraso Jaramillo, 
published in the literary magazine The Rumpus. No one had heard of the town until it was gone. Then, gone, everyone heard of the town, stilling their gaze on photos of its ruins or pushing the image away to spare themselves. In other words, the town found itself submitted to the incongruous life cycle we inflict upon any destroyed faraway place, deemed ordinary in life and extraordinary in death, recognized in the moment it becomes unrecognizable unto itself, visible only in the moment its people turn into ghosts. If the Armero tragedy is truly a natural disaster, then we ourselves and the system we create must be considered a part of nature too. The earth crashes and erupts and shakes, yes, but it does so into our world, on and over and under our hierarchies and broken prescriptions of human value. It could be true that all disasters are natural, or it could be true that none are. And in either case, the term itself shrivels and falls from meaning. Wow. So I guess we could start off by putting nature up on the board. Feels like the obvious one, but I th- I think to uh, Ricardo, the writer's point, did we create this disaster or was it almost bound to happen? And also the way he brings out how this was a, a, a town of uh, that was built in a probably unsafe location, mm-hmm. a town of people that you might, no one really thought about or knew about until of course the un, you know, uh-huh. unimaginable happens. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's, that's really sad. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there yeah. a reason why, um, is there like an agricultural or industrial reason why the town was there? Uh, that we know of, or is it just like they happened to develop there? I'm not sure about the, if there was like, if it was strategic in any way, I would assume, you know, volcanoes have rich soil sure. around them. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that there was a lot of agriculture in the, near the town. I know that there was, the, there was livestock because some of the livestock also perished during the tragedy, you know, there are, you can see in the documentary, like cows trying to get out of the, the mud, the lahar, Mm, um, you know, of course it was devastating. It, it, it ruined a lot of the crops for many of the people who live there. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is something we should ask our, our guest expert and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, see, see about that. But, uh, it was definitely a, a location where the scientists and people were con- there was a lot of concern surrounding the location of this town. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know what else to add here at this phase. Just that 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 writing was is really evocative and 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 powerful, and just the line that you know we can like we are a part of nature, right? We right. create. Uh, must be considered okay. If the emergency is, is truly a natural disaster, then we ourselves and the systems we create must be considered a part of nature too. So, you know, I just think, especially in modern society, it's probably easy for us to consider ourselves uh, uh, not a part of nature. Right, right? separate. Yeah, I mean, it's how, how we think about uh, uh, climate change. I guess. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's almost like you don't need to live. It's kind of a silly question was like whether you're near a volcano or not. That's not the only danger. Like we live near water. We live in flood prone areas. There's yeah. drought. There's so many things, forest fires. Like at this point, it's like, it doesn't, there's not like the safe place to live though. We're choosing not to live. It's just to choose your danger. Right. Yeah. And I think what was so hard about this natural disaster and kind of, um, felt a little unique to this was that they had so much data before right just pointing at you need to evacuate Mm. or you need to deal with xyz and it was so in your i mean i I feel like that's not that's like pretty unique it wasn't like a a fluke (laughs) you know this is gonna happen at some point there's this rock in the middle of the valley if you explode it you could save all these people and then they just didn't do it it's like California with earthquakes, right? right? They tell yeah. us all the time the big one's coming and we're all just still here, you know? Well, I think to Chloe's <laughs> yep. point, actually, it's probably like, uh, I mean, it's almost more like California with wildfires because there are ways that you can 
offset mitigate, the risk yeah. and sure. mitigate right. the risk of wildfires where you can clear out underbrush and stuff like right. that. An earthquake you can't control. No. Yeah. Uh, and it's the earthquake to. is like, how do you? Well, you retrofit buildings. That's and true. You, yeah. You that's true. You can kit. prepare for it in that yeah. way. That was, well, I feel like that's what that, that rock was creating a dam or something in the documentary. Yes. And I feel like that was the way of, that was their version of like, how do we retrofit this town? Which is like, hey, if you get rid of, if you, you know, right. blow it up, then the mud won't go into, there's a good chance that you could save all these people. I just found that to be so wild that like they had all of this information that could have prevented it. And these people that no one thought about, and then this thing happens and everyone's like, oh, that's so terrible, these poor people, and they're forgotten about again. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, if, let's say one government official had a, a relative in that town, things maybe mm -hmm. would have been different, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, let's Do we put, put ignoring the, the data on, on the board in that ooh, case? Yes, I okay. love that. I mean, the ignoring the experts too. I mean, yeah. experts, um, they're the sort of purveyors of yes. data. Now, let's put, let, let's learn more about maybe how this could have been helped or stopped uh, because there's a lot of data. You know, a lot of people were ringing the alarms about the potential hazards here. The Colombian government has to go up on the board. Has to, for has so to. many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> they could go up on the board for a lot of other tragedies. Right. <laughs> Should we just send them to jail right yeah. now? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I can say that. <laughs> so this is according to the Washington Post. A team of scientists studying the mountain advised the government five weeks before the November 13 explosion that any significant eruption would produce flood and mudslides in valleys below. Their estimates turned out to be hauntingly accurate. Our Marrow survivors have reported that instead of calling an evacuation, the mayor, the priest, and the local radio, radio announcer all insisted that there was no cause for alarm when after 3 p.m. an eruption of Nevado del Ruiz produced a rain of ash. A second volcanic blast occurred at 9 p.m., the town did not awake to the, to the threat until sometime after 10 p.m. At about that time, the governor of Tolima, Eduardo Alzate, broadcast an evacuation order. By then, though, it was too late. Adding to the charge of governmental ir irresponsibility in preparing for the disaster has been the story of a natural dam above our marrow. Geologists had advised regional authorities to drain the dam, lest it break and flood our marrow, but nothing was done. When we needed the money, no one gave it, said Alexander Torres, 23, whose father, Rosendo Torres, was twice mayor of Armero and perished in the disaster. Now everyone is giving money. So again, the, the idea that like now, after the fact, after these lives are lost, now they want to help. But no one wants to help before when the evidence and the data is so clearly pointing in the direction that this is inevitable. Mm -hmm. mm. because it hasn't happened yet. No one wants to help. Do you, is this like a, a case for putting maintenance on the board? Like, is that maintenance or is it more just like uh, disaster prep? Like, yeah. In infrastructure. It's a good point and probably an interesting distinction, right? Because it's a project. It's like a, probably a really expensive right. project. Right. And maintenance sort of, I think the implication is that it's, maintenance is less of a right it's upkeep that's assuming that the structure right. was already was, right, the right, infrastructure right. was already right. in place like oh this bridge isn't doing so hot those right. are the official words that they would use <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah. oh that bridge isn't doing so hot inspectors <laughs> that they check that off right yeah. <laughs> not it's uh, hot or not see. hot or not hot <laughs> super hot not so hot um so but, maybe what did we call it then lack of is it lack of like Preparation is a lack of government investment. Like what, lack, what's a good I mean, there's something of... like lack of wanting to take on the project, right? Right. When Do you we think put about in a, house a little bit too? of? Is it also like lack of caring because it's not a major city and it's not also not yeah. like? I mean, mm -hmm. is I it definitely think that? Also, it's a it. it's kind of like an area of Colombia that doesn't have a lot of money and isn't like Eurocentric. Dare uh, I say? Yeah. No. Yeah. I right. think that has to, 
uh, factor in. Like right? they didn't care, right? It was they just didn't like, care. Oh, what? They didn't care because they didn't. The if this had been right outside of uh, Bogota, yeah. then I'm sure that they would have at least dealt with it. Mm. I think so. I think <laughs> I think when you put it like that, I'm like, yeah, they probably would have done something about that. So how do we phrase? Is that just la- lack of care and apathy? Apathy sounds pretty good. Apathy, uh, but I also feel like it has to do with uh, it, the uh, economics, right? So yeah, right. It's a yes. class. It's a it's class a class thing. thing. Yeah. Sure. So. Is that like econ- this economic? is a uh, this is bald. This is like on the nose, but like uh, a lack of concern for the lower class. Mm. A lack of yeah. Sure. Um, let's so let's put that up on the board. Let's also put up poor communication systems because this was a, a factor. Mm-hmm. Earth Magazine wrote, "It takes communication and trust among scientists, local residents, and government officials." In the case of Ruiz, it almost worked perfectly, says Marso, until it didn't. In the aftermath, researchers realized that one of the biggest problems was that Armero and the towns nearest to the volcano were without power, so communication broke down. The scientists had no ability to alert the townspeople to evacuate. With two hours and 21 minutes between the eruption and the first lahar reaching Armero, the town could have been evacuated if communication systems had worked. A good partnership between science and civil authorities is essential to protecting people, Marceau says. Right. Yeah, they didn't have like a Paul Revere. They didn't have right. a... They, no. No, hmm. uh, no system without power. I mean, there has to be a alarm, an alarm system that is not dependent on Wi-Fi. Right. Yeah. Well, you also mentioned what was interesting to me is like what, like the priest being involved is kind of interesting to me. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The mayor, Uh, the some other person, priest, and the radio broadcaster. Priest. Now, a lot of the the reason the priest was so involved was because it's a small town. Yeah. Right. And that's where a lot of people went to to get their information or to get advice on, on what to do. So somehow the priest becomes almost like a political figure right. as well in the town. Yeah. It's so interesting. We don't really have that anymore. No. I, I want to say, I'm like reluctant to say this because I don't, I feel like it's like borderline victim blaming, but there's something in there about like, if it's raining down, at, you know, a first eruption happens and it's raining down ash on you, at what point do you start to really look at these, the priest and the radio announcer and the mayor and be like, I don't, I know that you're in charge, but like my instincts are telling me otherwise. So I'm going to choose to disregard this authority, you know, the authority here and like run. I'm like, that. that's such a very difficult position to be in because you want to trust that you're going to be okay because these people in charge are telling you so. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. yeah. But I also think the circumstances, right? It's, it's a small town. It's, I don't, you know, they're, it's the eighties too. Right, Not everyone right. has a phone. Yeah. Um, we don't have the internet like we do now. The, at a, to a certain, I, even still now, I feel like times when I've gotten uh, an alert on my phone recently during the, the rain that was, you know, the storms we had where it was like, you know, potential flood, flood watch, right? Mm-hmm. You, you stay put until you're told to evacuate in, in a, to a certain extent, you trust yeah. the authorities because you, yeah. we also don't want chaos. Yeah. No, I, to me, it's like, I guess I'm just, it's like akin to the funicular disaster where like most of the people ran up the tube and died of smoke insulation. And then right. like that right. handful of Ugh. people who ran down, it's like, I don't know how you really quantify it. I guess it's just like luck. You know, it's like some people chose to leave and probably were lucky that they did that because their lives were right. saved versus, I don't really know how to encapsulate that. I guess I'm just That's a, drawing attention yeah, to it. No, I totally understand. That's a tough one because this is the similar thing also to um, the South Korean ferry disaster right. oh, where they yes. told all those uh, people stay who put, on and board they did. to stay put and they yeah. did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just so disturbing. So I, I, that's a, I think what one, we're Clayton. learning I, is 
trust your instinct and yeah. to run well, when, when you to feel. To Clayton's <laughs> point about the a vernacular, or the uh, train yes, thing, right. the instinct for pe- most people was to go away from the fire. Right. right. That, Not was, that was it. the wrong instinct. Yeah. Right. Um, I also just, just because this is, I mean, I don't know how to encapsulate that. It's really quirky and, and tricky in terms of like, you know, our process here, but maybe something like, oh, I don't know. Um, um, uh, I think I'm, maybe I'm what, Chris, here. what could also be, uh, is it also, because what I'm, where my brain goes is like these authority figures, like the priest not having the correct information right. or the like right level of alert that they should have because the right. trickle down is like these geologists who are French and Spanish and are, you know, studying True. the volcano are like, Ooh, this could, this could erupt any minute. We should tell. And like, you know, the information kind of going through all these channels that don't actually are, aren't being in the, one of the channels isn't, right. that's not being represented is like actually people on the ground. In right. America. Yeah. The, right, the, the like, priest, you can't expect the priest to be a geologist, no, <laughs> right? He's I, like, so look he's, how beautiful. It's <laughs> what everyone was saying is that he kept being like, Oh my beautiful. God. Yes, enjoy the the fact that you won't you might not never see this event again is what the Oy. priest actually told people. Oy. Wow, Oy. That so maybe yeah. that's well. like not poor communication systems, but like poor like interpersonal communication. I uh, think we could just cut to the quick and just blame that priest. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think so. Um, I think they were doing. I think the local officials were were doing the best they could and they were beholden to the the higher ups yeah because the mayor was trying the mayor was trying to evacuate but they weren't allowed and so should we put the governor up there yes we should definitely definitely put put, yes governor up there because he had a big part in not letting them evacuate i i also want to put up a lose-lose situation And this is according to the Journal of Volcanology and Geothermal Research. Barry Voigt, 1989, wrote, Volcanic emergency management is faced with a seldom win situation. What does, what does one cry out when there may be a wolf? The volcanologist's problem is to record accurately the probabilistic chance of an event forecasting and hazard delineation and yet maintain the specificity and credibility necessary to encourage appropriate government and management action and public acceptance and response to the message. For example, in 1976, a small eruption of La Soufre in on, Guada, on Guadalupe led to a massive and expensive evacuation of 74,000 residents because of the threat that the eruption might climax in catastrophic Nue, Ardentes, similar to those of an eruption on the neighboring island in 1902. Fortunately, no major eruption took place, but unfortunately, volcanologists were blamed for the cry wolf forecast. Mm. So, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? right? Yes. And they, it, but it, it's all, yeah, go ahead, Chloe. That, that this brings up also not caring about the, the class disparity True. because. Mm-hmm. They didn't, ultimately didn't want to spend money on, you know, displacing an right. evacuation and and putting kids in school somewhere else and moving them to another town where they'd be safe. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of were like, if all those people die, then we don't have to pay. I know that's really bleak, but mm-hmm. like those mm-hmm. would be 23,000 people that they would have to move and and support in a way. It's dark. And it's kind it's of like something- avoiding that. Yeah, they they talk about that in the documentary, how oh that's right yeah that would have been uh, a uh, you know something that they would have had to deal with even even if the the vol the, even if it doesn't erupt right yeah where are they gonna put an entire town of people where are they gonna house them in the meantime that takes resources that takes money mm. and if it doesn't happen then that's a waste in their eyes. Not in yeah. my eyes. I would say evacuate every single time. Here's here's the check. I'm, yeah. I'm writing checks for evacuation. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I say better safe than sorry. Yes. <laughs> better safe than sorry, but also like there is nowhere 
I, on this, I feel pretty confident saying this without like any concrete evidence, but there's nowhere on this earth where someone is prepared for any, you know, like there's going to be casualties that this goes back to the thin, thin line between civility and absolute chaos. We're just one little disaster away. Mm -hmm. No one's got it figured out. And part of me is like, maybe that priest is right. Just stay put and enjoy this beautiful show. Cause you're, you're probably going to die for men to die. Wow. Like, I mean, wow. that's dark Clayton. It's dark, but, but like yeah. in the face of a volcano, what are you yeah. going to do? It's a volcano. You know, it's not like a bridge. That's different. Like we didn't maintain it. It collapsed. So we should have prevented that. But like mother nature, like, wow. Yeah. yeah. So combating her. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. Except that they did. They, 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 they provided warnings they, and, they, and they sent these hazard maps to these newspapers, albeit they were flawed, mm. uh, apparently, mm. but they, you know, the, the scientists did predict that. I, I, I also think that there's some, I don't know how to put this, but there's some interesting like um, dynamic shift that happens when these volcanists, vol uh, volcanologists, volcanologists yeah. who are, I don't know, what are they doing? They're like hanging out at universities or like whatever. I the think they're NASA on the volcano, but like, but like they're just like regular men and women with normal jobs. And then they become the most important. Right they become the most important person in in the entire country. Right. Because like, and there's like a sudden shift where it's like, but guys, I know something you don't right. understand. You've got to listen to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like everyone has to listen to me. And to me, like there's some, maybe I don't know how to put this, but system that, a, a, that, that needs to be working in tandem with government, both local and, you know, national government that whereby yes. these scientists get a more of a, a, yeah. a say um let's, i mean let's, you know obviously I mean, on, on that topic i want to put up scientists versus politicians which i think yes is, mm. is is where you're touching what what you're touching on chris this is according to gsa news and information a report by jay hess from 1987 scientists are generally viewed with less regard than any other group on the hill from my observations, they are perceived as people who don't understand the system, who have little ability to talk with people outside their profession, right. and who think that being correct is always enough. Scientists must learn that budgets, limited time frames, regulatory impacts, and public accountability are all factors that must be considered by Congress. Scientific facts are not the only criteria in public decision making. So Ooh. funny. Gosh. That like, is that such is... an icky quote. That quote yeah. is gross. It makes me go, oh, don't say that. Yeah. In, I feel in, like it speaks to what Chris is talking about, though, where it's like yeah. the experts are so, when they become important, they are the most yeah. important, but quickly it becomes politicized. And I think the thing that like maybe the politicians are failing to realize is that without with without listening to the experts with this destruction, none of your system exists if it right. all falls apart. Yes. <laughs> none of it matters. If when you die, nothing matters. Yeah, it's when gone. people die, yeah. it's over. I mean, it's funny only because of how absurd it is, right? Like right. that's that's what's la I'm laughing at. The, but this was I didn't watch this movie, but Don't Look Up was basically this, yes, right? Exactly. Was, oh yes, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could tell in the trailer, like this was the point, right? Mm -hmm. It was like these scientists were like, guys. And the politicians were like, oh, you're cute. Like, yeah, the funny. politicians are like, but how can we spin it and make yeah. it sexy? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're yeah, all exactly. gonna be dead. <laughs> no, it's it's absurd. I don't know what the solution to that is, but maybe what we put up on the board is like a just a like lack of respect for yes science we saw it happen yeah. during the pandemic right? i was just thinking yeah. that too rebecca i'm like this is like it's tale as old as time yeah with this Keeps happening will probably yeah. happen again how can we stop it from happening yeah i don't know or how we do we you know what it podcasts. is too maybe if it wasn't so maybe this just comes down to management, but if it wasn't like, if our system wasn't so fragile that like an expert saying, Hey, this is bad. We need to fix it. And people are like, well, we just aren't going to fix it. Cause we just can't afford that. And it's too expensive. Like it would disrupt too many things. Like, I, I don't know how we get there, but it just seems like everyone's to say no. Cause it's like, oh, we just can't really afford that. I, we want to spend money on or we're wasting our money on these things instead. Right. Yes. And also to, to my mother's point 
it's a very corrupt government sure. on uh-huh. top of that. And especially mm-hmm. at that time as well. So there's that layer, you know, not, not to throw mm-hmm. them, my country under the bus, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, but it's true. It's like, that's also not working in their favor is all that corruption. It's like, how does information even get to, to, to the priest mm-hmm. in that right. regard? Right. Yeah. If a, if a scientist is sort of disregarded in a, let's say an uncorrupt government, how right. how much say are they going to have right, in a corrupt right. government? And it makes you wonder how far are we in the United States from being in a corrupt being a corrupt government, right? What I is mean, that? I mean, I think corruption is that you could probably apply corruption to a lot of what happens in in the United yeah. States. Right. I mean, we just dress every, it up and call it something else. There's like corruption everywhere. injustice. We're, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're constantly combating it in its different forms. I'm just going to um, put w- corruption on the board. Yeah, let's put that up. Yeah. I also want to put put up uh, decision making under uncertainty. It's mm. kind of like mm. you know we don't know. So how can you make? Yeah, you're right because you they didn't in not making a decision. That they like you know they the made fate the worst of all these. Decision. They made the worst yeah, decision. It was yeah. a decision. Of the decision just be was like, made. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not doing anything. This is the uh, from the Journal of Volcanology and Geothermal Research. It appears that the catastrophe cannot be primarily attributed to technical breakdowns in communications, which had succeeded in providing sufficient, if imperfect, information. The primary problem was one of intent and value, that is, the lack of will to act decisively. An, an alarm at the onset of the magnetic eruption would also have provided enough time for a well-prepared Armero population to escape with little loss, provided that the given alarm and public response were swift and the possibility of a false alarm was accepted. So important. The scientists, emergency managers, and particularly the local officials, therefore, had their backs to the wall. The risks were known early and well enough, but provincial and national government made the conscious decision not to evacuate the village unless and until the precise moment that danger could be guaranteed. Mm. To evacuate before the event, especially for an indefinite period, would have caused enormous problems and political risks for a financially strapped government in providing the funding uh, facilities and resources needed to support a, a transported community security against looting in evacuated areas and even the possibility of insurgents taking advantage of crisis conditions could not be overlooked and on the whole the population would have resented leaving their homes and having their livelihood and comfort dis- disrupted right lacking a paroxysmal event Criticism surely would have been severe. Therefore, fearing both the economic and political costs, no official was willing to take the responsibility for the order unless the damaging event could be predicted with almost absolute certainty. Thus, the authorities on the whole acted not unreasonably, but were unwilling to bear the economic or political costs of early evacuation or uh, of early evacuation of false alarm. You know, what's crazy too. think about this. (sighs) Think about this. If they had heeded the warnings of the scientists yeah. and uh, like uh, b- like uh, let out that dam, right? And, yes. you know, evacuated the town, let out the dam, and then the eruption happened, nothing would have happened, right? Everyone would be safe. We wouldn't be talking about it in a good yeah. way. But you probably get blowback from that. From people mm-hmm. who are like, you see, I mean, it was you guys over uh, prepared. We we overdid it. We didn't need to do all that. Yeah, what um, a waste of money. I can't what a waste believe of that. Money. Yeah. What a waste of resources. So it's really, I mean, it's tough. Um, you know, the, also the thing about the looting, right? That 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 comes into play. Like the where it says here that the the population would have resented having left their homes mm. if mm. they if you know, they had looted because what, you know, what happened and what ended up happening anyway after the fact was that I guess what would happen is that sometimes these officials, whether they were uh, local um, police officers or security people would take advantage of their position and go into these homes and and, and take uh, whatever they wanted, right? They would steal. Mm. It happened anyway after the 
the actual catastrophe. Right. A lot of the, the victims talked about how they would find people in what was left of their homes. There were also people, uh, you know, who uh, victims thought were either for part of the Red Cross who would go up to them and be like, uh, let me help you. You know, people who are stuck in the mud, right. hoping to be saved. And uh, other people would say, give me your necklace and I'll help you. That just speaks to like the desperation, like if something yeah. like this happens and the first instinct of some people who are not harmed is to like take advantage in a financial mm -hmm. way. Like That's what know, I was thinking bad. about too, Clayton, because I think I got so angry and I was like, how could you possibly do that? That's so horrible. And then I thought very quickly, well, what's their life situation yeah. that yeah. that's where they're pushed? Like that's where they're trying to survive. And the only way they can is to take advantage of a complete tragedy yeah i also want to say i don't know if you guys thought about this too but the fact that this happened at night is i find so harrowing oh, when you're you're most wow. vulnerable and yeah. sleeping in bed that is an absolute nightmare like because they all just everyone just went to bed because yeah. the ashes were falling in the day right yeah can you imagine you're just no. you're most vulnerable you're like asleep it's horrible horrible and you can't see the the electricity goes out the power goes out mm -hmm. and you're seeing you know the 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 victims described moments before you know either they lost consciousness or were swept away in the lahar just seeing this like dark cloud or a dark right. wave washing over their town and and you know how disorienting that must be not just to be in the middle of a you know being about to get swept by a lahar but also in the darkness yeah and then like hours of just pure darkness and oh. hoping that you know the sun like dusk will will somehow right. i mean clear and be like okay where is my family it's oh, i can't terrible. imagine that yeah I, I can't it's horrible so i feel like we have a good uh hefty list yeah here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't we take a quick break and we'll start knocking things off the board. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay. Who's to blame? Jeez. Who's to blame for Nevado del Ruiz eruption? Nature. Ignoring the data. 
ignoring the experts, Colombian government, economic apathy, lack of concern for the lower class, poor communication systems, the governor, a lose-lose situation, scientists versus politicians, not respecting the experts, corruption, or decision-making under uncertainty. Wow. Mm. A list. I don't know what we're going to cross off. This list. There's some, bi- there's some big ones. Some of them are laughably vague, but also extremely like, I like, can nod my head and be like, yep. Like yeah. Colombian government as a whole. And I'm like, yeah, that seems right. Do we just do all of the above? <laughs> I guess let's, let's fold things into each sure. other. I think yeah. ignoring data and ignoring the experts, what, let's pick one or the other. I think ignoring the experts. Sure. Or, or ignoring data because they had the data. I I feel like but you need the, it. I feel like you need the experts to be insisting like the data just exists. But like if the expert you're ignoring the experts who are telling you, listen, this is this right. is real. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with Clayton there. That that that's you know data is like yeah in, yeah. In people can that you need to read the data. Yeah, yeah. Data. It's <laughs> like, can make up data. How about economic apathy and the lack of concern for the lower class? I feel like I think does that go under the government? Economic or... apathy into lack mm. of concern. I agree. Sure. So, so, okay. I don't know economic. And, apathy and it might fold into the government, weird. but um, let's give that a beat. The governor folds into the Colombian government, right? What do you think, Chloe? Yeah, I think that that seems right. He's but part he, of it. He, yeah, he's huge part of it. Um, poor communication system. Uh, that also kind of goes into government, right? I mean, it's their job to be yeah. preparing these kind of things. Yeah. yeah. A right? lose-lose situation. Yeah. I, I, yes, Clayton, I think we can fold poor communication system into the, the government. A lose-lose situation. That feels like it's not going to be satisfying if we blame a lose-lose situation yeah that feels like then there was no way anyone could have been saved which might be the case (laughs) true that's true at least they if they had tried and it was still a disaster then you would at least you could be like we they did as much as they could and it was just that massive of a natural disaster yeah but the lose-lose situation also i think is is talking about the like political blowback as well right of just if you evacuate them, you know, right. and if you do, then if you don't, yeah, exactly yeah. that. But, but that falls into the government, right? Yeah. Not wanting to lose. Right. We let's right. just all agree that Losing it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, to false alarms are okay. A yeah, better anything, false alarm. Yeah. You, you, you evacuate everyone. It's really expensive and disruptive, but then you learn better ways to do that in the future. And then when it actually happens, you've, you've perfected the evacuation, right? Rebecca and Clayton love a fire drill, Chloe. Yes. They love back in school. Well, and-, and Chloe's also from Florida. Like how many times have yeah. we, they said there's a hurricane and after a while. I mean, do you know how many you- times we used, we, do you know how many times we put our uh, pool furniture in the pool and lowered the water? <laughs> right. And, and then wait, what's put, that move? What, yeah, so that it doesn't fly away. It's a, yeah, because your oh. pool furniture is like heavy and could break through and kill sure your kill you in your house. So you just throw it in the pool because it's weatherproof. You're right. assuming, the yeah. And then you like down. lower the the water halfway <laughs> so it do, that oh. doesn't slosh around. And gotcha. then you cover. Usually, all the houses had shutters, and you close mm-hmm. those. So you're just like in darkness with like weird per- furniture <laughs> where it shouldn't be. And then they're like, "Oh no, never mind, it didn't come." But it yeah, you know, Hurricane, Hurricane like, Andrew, right. yeah, Hurricane Andrew was enough to really, at least in my, uh, me in too. our lifetime, yeah. Rebecca, uh-huh. Hurricane Andrew was horrific, horrific, and-, and so many people didn't evacuate because they thought it was another false alarm. Yeah. So next time you're pulling furniture out of your pool. <laughs> And you're like annoyed because you've done this. Uh, you're doing this again. Remember that you have a pool first. Yes. Of all, you know. <laughs> remember that you have one. And remember and this episode. <laughs> and it's okay. Just you know, calm Just down. Just do it. Just do it. Just Thank do you. It. So we 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 took that out. We were folding that into the 
the government, not respecting the experts can fold into ignoring the experts, right? Corruption can fold into the Colombian government. Yeah. So we can take those off. Decision-making under uncertainty. That's what politicians sign up for, isn't it? I love that. Like leading a country? Yes, you're 100% (laughs) right. Like that's that's the job. That's the job. (laughs) It's like you you know that quote earlier about like them needing 100% certainty that this volcano was going to explode and that the dam was going to break and all that stuff is like, that's not how science works. Mm -hmm. But with the facts that you're given, like the politicians or the people in charge have to make the tough call and they have to, they have to execute it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. It's kind of, it's, it's their job. Yeah. So one of the few things that they have to, that they're responsible for. And you know what, if you make a call that you're, um, that you're, you know, that later comes back, you know, let's say you do make the call and it's a false alarm and people want to blame you for that, then fine. You have to stand there and, and be like, okay, fine. I, you can blame me, but I wanted to save the people and, you know, whatever. You just have to take the heat. Yeah. That's part I of think it. it. And it's also like, oh, no, if I do that, will I lose votes? It's, it's that, um, yeah. you know, self-serving. Right, right. Uh, self-centered like political ladder how can i how can this serve me or how does it not serve me yes it's that style of doing your job you can't yeah be thinking about that no come <laughs> um, on okay now we i think nature i think take that off the board okay yeah it'd be tough if we put them the nature yeah. and the alarmist yeah jails. nature gonna nature yeah <laughs> Well, okay, so we're left with ignoring the experts, Colombian uh, government, lack of concern for the lower class, scientists versus politicians, and uh, that's it, actually. Yep. So... I feel like ignoring the experts is a little... I I would like to roll that into scientists versus politicians. Yeah. Because Mm. are we implying that people ignored experts it's like it's a little vague there so i'd rather say that look the decision makers the politicians you know the community leaders they are the ones who uh you know against the scientists recommendation um decided to do nothing so scientists versus politicians while it's not like a perfect kind of encapsulation of that it's probably closer than ignoring the experts i like that okay so I mean, of these three, what are we going to send to the alarmist jail? What are we going to slap? I'll tell you where I'm leaning, what I'm leaning towards. I, it's going to be hard to let the Colombian government off the hook for this one. Yeah. Especially, you know, especially when you consider the aftermath of how they dealt with the, um, the the tragedy after it happened i mean chloe like you you said your mom was you mentioned that your mom you know had an understanding of of, of what things happened her first response was oh yeah. after the fact right yeah of just like oh of course um like she wasn't surprised that for lack of a better word they chunked it um and <laughs> after uh, you know especially after setting up all these just the infrastructure to help people after wasn't there there was a lot of um chaos and confusion and encampments where people then were dying there because there wasn't yes water and you know this is all in the documentary that you sent me rebecca which was really amazing and just the the lack of follow through after the tragedy to help people was probably worse than than the tragedy itself because because it didn't have to be that way no it's it's pretty harrowing the way that people were treated after and and so displaced i also feel like i i really need to come clean and um i came into this wanting to put the colombian government Mm. in jail Mm. right from the beginning and (laughs) i can't continue in good conscience pretending that that's not my uh angle for this entire episode you've had an agenda yeah I've had an agenda. This is my agenda. And 
we're friends and I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't play mm. the part of like, Oh, I'm so biased. I'm like, of course, let me just like figure it out. Like I've been gunning for them. Uh, I appreciate I, your honesty. Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah. the story. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, they are the ones. Mm-hmm, who, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what? But that's, why just, that's we, my vote. So yeah. I, I think I'm with you. I'm with you. I I second your agenda. I guess I'm <laughs> I'm holding. I'm helping you hold the the banner up. Yeah, at the <laughs> at the protest. And it's it's like in the in the sort of light of this tragedy, which I mean, up on the board, you call it a nature lose lose situation. You know, this is a, one of those big ones where you feel like you know was there any way or what you know you just feel like this is like the hand of god this is this mm. is an incredible tragedy the the scale of which is incomprehensible mm. that that you know to to hone in i like what chloe said you know to hone in on hey look the aftermath and what can we do now and et cetera, et cetera, to, to continue to let it be a tragedy after the initial yeah. shock to me is is deplorable so yeah yeah so Let's do that and let's let's slap scientist versus politician because I think yes. that encas- encapsulates mm. the um the lack of you know the, the ignoring of the experts. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and not to leave the the Colombian government alone, I would say that a lot of governments mess up in this way. It's yes. not like ours is, you know, not like the US government has its hands clean from other horrible tragedies i'm i'm remembering um hurricane katrina like i I remember that Mm -hmm. not being handled Mm -hmm. very well at all so Mm -hmm. me me thinks i see a pattern (laughs) 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 as i twirl my mustache (laughs) yeah Uh, humans in power humans (laughs) all right i'm gonna call it scientists versus politicians you're getting the big slap the colombian government you're going to the alarmist jail. Wow, the entire Colombian government in Yikes. our alarmist jail. Wow, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a lot of family members just like, what was up with that? Why? Why? Mm. Well, I guess the, I mean it's an older needed... government. This is the '85 government. It's not like right. It's the '85. It's, it's not. The... It's true. True. Uh, they're gonna need a refresh on on the on the, the government. The... And also, when you watch the doc, the sound bites from the government are yeah. really bad. Like they don't hold up well. No, they do not. No, they're bad. They're bad. Chloe, thank you so much for helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for this terrible, horrific tragedy that honestly should be talked about worldwide, discussed nonstop. Mm-hmm. It should be at the top of 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 when you think of horrible things. I mean. Honestly, yeah. Let let this ring the alarm about ringing the alarm. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. I had no idea of. I had never even heard of this. There you go. Yeah, I blame you for bringing this (laughs) truly (laughs) heinous, awful story. In the aftermath. The Nevado del Ruiz volcanic eruption activated significant institutional and legislative changes throughout Latin America. In Colombia, the National System for Disaster Prevention and Response was created in 1989. Colombian volcanology grew rapidly, and today there are at least 600 stations that monitor and investigate 23 active volcanoes. Nevado del Ruiz hasn't produced a catastrophic eruption since 1985, though it is still active and considered a serious threat to surrounding villages. Following the disaster, the remaining residents of Armero relocated to nearby towns, Guayabal and Lerida. Armero remains a ghost town. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast, and on Twitter, at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. 
The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing The Hollywood Ten. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.